No, he's he's over here. Please. Okay, we'll start the class. As usual, it's a memory of Jared Orchen. And today we will repeat a little bit that we spoke about Chabez, but more in details. First one, we'll go to the story of Eliezer, Abraham's servant. We all know the famous story. It was last week's Parsha, Shabbat. We read it on page 256, to my home, my birthplace, and find a girl for my family. Fine. Eliezer takes the camels. That was the, the Rolls Royce of that time. Right? People, some people were riding on a horse, on a donkey. Some people on horses, some people on camels. Look, Moses was going from Egypt on a horse, on a donkey. Right? Tzrit Moshiach will come on a donkey. Eliezer was running to pick up, to pick up the, the girl. He went on camels. He didn't have time. He's in a rush. He comes to Iraq. It's all nice and fine. He's in Aram Naraim. Abraham had a family there. But you know how long ago Abraham left, his, left town? How long was before, before this story? That they, when Abraham left Haran? He's 75. And he's uh, 99 when, when Isaac's born. And how old was he now? And he's like 137, like right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 37 and 25 is how much? Uh, 62. 62. Hello? 62 years later, he's sending his servant, go find me somebody from the family. No, go. Think about it. There is no last names. Last names is a new invention. How long is last names old? You know, Mavens, you know, scholars. When we started last names? Not that old, I mean. Very young. Mm-hmm. Actually, 200 years, 300 years. For example, the Chabad Rebbe's name is Schneor son. Why? Schneor son. The son of Schneor. Used to be, people were named after the father. What's Maimonides? His name was Moses. His father's name was Maimon. That's how it became, Moses Maimonides. The son of Maimonides would be Moses. You understand? Avram, I think his son was Avram. It was the the son of Moshe. Rashi, Shlomo, Rabbi Shlomo Yitzchaki. His father's name was Yitzchak. That's why it's Rabbi Shlomo Yitzchaki. There was no last names. He arrives in Iraq. What is he going to find in this, this girl? He's got, he's got the equivalent of a fleet of Mercedes with him along with a lot of wealth. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> where is Abraham's family? How long is Abraham not in the town? 62 years. Who is remembering anything? Let's see what he did. Page 250. He turned to God and he said, top of the page, you want to read? He said, Adonai, God of my master Avraham, be present before me today and act kindly with my master Avraham. Behold, here I stand by this well of water, and the daughters of the townsmen are coming out to draw water. Let it be that the girl to whom I say, please tip over your pitcher that I may drink. And she will say, drink, and I will also water your camels, will be the one whom you have determined for your servant Yitzhak. Beautiful. He came up with an idea. If he will meet a girl and ask her for a little water, and she will ask, oh, for sure, we'll give it even to your camels. That's how I know that's the right person. Why he came up with this idea? What do you think? She's obviously very kind and very patient <laughs> to feed a whole bunch of camels. That's a whole and, affair. And Abraham's house was a house of kindness, of chesed. That he says, who belongs in the house of Abraham? A girl is chesed. Very nice and fine. What happened? Number 15. He had not yet finished speaking, and behold, Rivka came out. She had been born to Besuel, the son of Milcha, the wife of Nechor, Abraham's brother. Her pitcher was on her shoulder. The girl was very good-looking, a virgin. No man had known her. She went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and came up. Okay, he sees a girl goes out, and she... He did know that her name is Rivka. That's, that's the Torah writes later. He didn't know anything, right? Okay. Quick question. How, yeah. did, how does anybody know she's a virgin? 
They didn't know later. The Torah writes later what, that we knew that she was a virgin. Obviously, nobody knew at this point. She didn't even, didn't even know her name. Forget about if she's a virgin. It's the narrative telling us. Exactly. Go ahead on page 251, number 17. The servant ran toward her and said, Please let me sip a little water from your pitcher. She said, Drink, my master. And she quickly lowered her pitcher to her hand and let him drink. When she had finished giving him to drink, she said, I will also draw water for your camels until they will have finished drinking. Beautiful. Before he finished to speak, before he finished to speak, she came out. He didn't have a chance to finish his prayer. And his prayer was answered right away before he finished. He's running out and... Lo and behold, she says, oh, I'll give you camels too. <laughs> he couldn't believe it. 252. Uh, he says something different what? than what was in his prayer. In his prayer, he says, please tip over your pitcher that I may drink. And what he actually says to her is, please let me sip a little water. Even ask less, than he, less yes. than he prayed. Yes. And she and Iran gave even more. Yes. You're right. 252. She quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, and she ran to the well again to draw water. And she drew water for all the, his camels. Mm-hmm. The man, wandering at her, remained silent, waiting to determine whether Adonai had made his mission successful or not. He, he couldn't believe what he sees. He said he wondered. This, this is real. Wasn't there some... I don't know what you call the midrash that with, where the water actually rose. Mm-hmm. That, that's just a midrash. I don't know. The, the midrash says that, but I don't think he saw that the water is uh, rose. Even he saw. I, it's still. What he pray to God? He pray to God that he will ask her for to bring water. She'll give him water, and it'll be good, right? This one was fulfilled. Number twenty-two. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold nose ring, weighing half a shekel, and two bracelets for her arms, weighing ten gold shekels. He said to her, Whose daughter are you? Please tell me. Is there a place in your father's house for us to spend the night? One second. He, gives it, he was so sure that he found the right girl that he gave her the present before he asked her, What's your name? Later in the story, he twisted the story. He says, oh, I asked her, what's your name? Then I gave her the present because it, it looked like he's crazy. He couldn't even admit that he did it. But here, he asked her, what's your, he gave her the present. He was so sure that's the right person. And lo and behold, he asked her, what's your name? She says, I'm Rebecca, the daughter of Besuel. Beautiful. Wow. That was a... Mission accomplished. Beautiful. Then the Medrash says something very powerful. The Medrash says... Four people in the Bible asked the wrong way. Shalu Ask from God things that he shouldn't ask. Three God answered, and one God didn't answer. And the Medrash brings this as the first example. Eliezer asked for a daughter of a girl who will give be kind. And what if comes out a girl? She's very kind and nice, and she offers water, and she's not from the family of Abraham. Would he also take her on? Apparently, according to this. But, and he comes to Abraham, and Abraham looks at him and says, tell, you, tell me, Rebeliezer, did I ask you for a nice girl, or I asked you for a girl from the family? What do you bring me nice girls? That I told you go for a nice girl, I have to go to Aram, to schlep you all the way to Aram, Naraim, to Iraq? Nice girls you can find in Canaan too. I asked you for somebody from the family. What do you, what, if you would make a sign, if it's a goal that is, looks like your family, no, if she's nice, many people can be nice. Thank God that many people are nice, not only from one family. Then the message says, Sha'al Shiloka Ogen, he didn't ask the right question, he didn't, he didn't do it the right way. He might get stuck. Lucky enough, Hashem cooperated with him. and gave him Kaogen and helped him the right way and made sure that the right goal comes out. That, so to speak, Eliezer was lucky that it worked. 
even that's not a way. You don't walk out of the shul and you say, the first man that I'll meet, that's the right guy for my daughter. It doesn't work like this, right? <laughs> What's your name? From where you're coming? Where you're going? Which school you went? What, what, what do you mean? What is this? Or you don't do even business, business deals like this. You don't get up and you say, the deal that I will come, will come to me. So is the only lesson what you're telling us for, for why this happened? Well, he wants all the lessons. Hopnished. <laughs> Got to arrange his things, right? What is nose ring? Nose ring is it's like top of uh, on your nose that you put some type Are of jewelry on the nose. Are you allowed to be piercing in your nose? Yeah, I mean. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, if this is the normal thing to do, why, why is ear piercing allowed and ear piercing is not allowed? I mean, it's not a different. I mean, whatever the common thing to do. The men hmm. I don't think most of us want nose rings for our... Yeah. Daughters-in-law these days. Yeah. <laughs> That's one story. Then the Medrash points to other stories. We will have it here from other places. Then we'll see what we can learn from it. Then you can close the Chumashim. We will learn today a little bit from different papers. Right on top of the page, it's a little small, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, there is a little, it's a little small, but I believe that uh, we will be able to make it. The story is about Caleb. Who is Caleb? He's one of the two spies who has a positive report. One of the 12 spies, right? Moses said, he sent a year after they left Egypt. He says, let's go to the land of Israel. The Jewish people came and said, let's... Let's send spies. Moses chose 12 people. One person per, per tribe, a representative of the tribe. Mm -hmm. They came back. Ten, ten came with bad news, right? They said the land will never, be able, will never be able to conquer the land. And two came with the good news. Who were the two came with the good news? Joshua, Joshua and Caleb. Caleb, Caleb was, was, was Miriam's husband. Miriam's Moses' sister married Caleb. Yes. And wasn't she renamed Ephrath? That's another story. <laughs> We're not learning about Caleb, not about Miriam. You talk about Pua, not Ephrath. That was a problem. In any case, um, maybe also. Why Josh, for Joshua, when Moses sent him, Moses prayed for Joshua, he should not make a mistake. That's why he changed his name from Oshea to Yehoshua. He added the letter Yud to his name, and he made his name to the name of God, Yud Hey. Caleb, how Caleb made it the right way? That the Talmud tells us, he went to Hebron, to the cave of Machpelah. We read now that Abraham buried Sarah in the cave of Machpelah. At that point, it was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob buried there, and Sarah, and Rebecca, and Leah. And he prayed that Hashem should help him. He should not make the mistake. These two came, and Hashem, the ten died, and Hashem told these two will walk into the land of Israel. Moses told them then that he will give him, because he went to Hebron to pray, he will get Hebron as his own inheritance, Caleb. Caleb will get the city of Hebron. When they will enter the land of Israel, Caleb will get the city of Hebron. Four years passed, right? Moses passed away. Now it's Joshua. Seven years took to conquer the land. They conquered the land. And now Joshua is dividing the land. Very nice and fine, right? Now we'll read a little bit from inside. It's a little small, but we will try to make it. I'm sorry it's so small. Then the children of Judah. Can you read it? Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and... Gigal, mm -hmm. and Caleb, the son of Jephune, Jephune, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the thing that the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God, concerning me and concerning you in Kadash Barnea. Continue. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh to spy out the land. And I brought him, and I brought him back word as it was in my heart mm -hmm. and my brothers went up with me made the heart of the people melt but I fulfilled the will of the Lord my 
Caleb was four years old when Moses sent him. Young man. Right, young man. At least we know it's young. Then, and now he tells them, I did the right thing. The other ten melt the heart of the people. They came with the wrong news back. They said we will never be able to conquer the land, it's too strong. But I said what it's my what, what God wanted to hear. What God wanted me to say. Continue. Quick question, what tribe is Caleb ahead of here? Judah. Doesn't it say he's the son of a Kenazite? Son of Kenazite, the Kenazite. Yefuna the Kenazite. Son of Yefuna the Kenazite. First period. Aknizi. So what does this mean? I don't know who the Kenazites were exactly. Oh, you mean it's a different nation? I don't think so. Can be. Can be, exactly. The Ken by the way, the Kenazites, we are just entering the land of Israel. Talking about conquering the land that just now. And we never and we never conquered the Kenazite. Mm -hmm. Then I, it's a good question, but no. Kolev Ben Yefune was for sure from the tribe of Judah. Go ahead. Number 10? Yes. No, no, number 9. Number, number 2. Okay. And Moses, and Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land upon which your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have fulfilled the will of the Lord my God. The, the arrow that you walked over, it was Hebron. Continue, and now, and now... Behold, the Lord has kept me alive as he spoke these 45 years. <coughs> From the time the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness, and now behold, I am this day 85 years old. Not bad. 45 years past. He's 85 years old. He comes to Joshua and he told them, it's time to cash the check. <laughs> Moses promised me, swore that he'll give me the land. Hashem kept me alive. For another 45 years, now it's time to do it. Go ahead. I am still as strong as the day I was on the day that Moses sent me, as my strength was then. Even so is my strength now, for war both to go out and to come in. Aha, that's a statement. He says when he's 85 years old, he says, Kekohi az, kekohi ata. As I'm strong, I was strong then, I'm strong now. I have the same strength. And I basically, they didn't conquer yet the city of Hebron. Caleb is asking from Joshua to give, him, give me Hebron and I will go and conquer the land. Don't worry, I have the strength, I can do this. Not bad. By the age of 85 to be as strong as you're 40, not bad. Go ahead. And now give me this mountain uh, of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there, and that the cities were big and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall drive them out as the Lord spoke. Okay, what happened? Continue, Doctor. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb the son of Yefuna for an inheritance. Joshua said, Go ahead, take Hebron. <laughs> Enjoy it. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Yefuna, the, Ken the Kenizzite, to this day, because he fulfilled the will of the Lord God of Israel. And the city of Hebron, now we know clear to where it belongs. And the name of Hebron before was Kiriath Arba. Mm -hmm. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim, and the land had It's called the war. city of the four. There is two explanations. Yes. One, because of the four giants. The other explanation, because the four couples are buried in, in the cave of Machpelah. Adam and Eve, Abraham and Sarah, Rebecca and uh, Isaac and Rebecca, Jacob and Leah. Okay. Uh, you want to continue? 13. Yeah, please. And to Caleb, the son of Yephunea, he gave a part among the children of Judah. According to the commandment of the Lord of Joshua, even the city of Arba, the father of the giants, which is Hebron. And Caleb drew out of there the three sons of the giant, Shehai, Sheishai, and Achiman, and Talmai, the children of the giant. And he went up from there to the inhabitants of Here the comes Deer. the punchline. Next to Hebron was a small city. It's called Kiryat Sefer. 
they actually built a, uh, a city in the territories in Israel it's called Kiryat Sefer of religious people. Hebron wanted to, uh, and Caleb conquered Hebron, came to Kiryat Sefer, he felt a little weak probably, he was tired. That he turned and he made a statement in number 16. Okay, you want to continue? And Caleb said, he who smites Karjath, sufferer, and takes it to him will I give Achsa, my daughter, for a wife. You hear what's going on here? He makes a statement. He goes out and he says, anybody who will conquer Kiryat Sefer, he had a daughter with the name Achsa. That's what's his name? I'll give him Achsa. Really? Beautiful. What happened? Number 17, go ahead. And Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, took it, and he gave him Aksa, his daughter, for a wife. Ah, oh, don't go anywhere. This is it. This is the story. Athaniel, the son of Knaz, the brother of Caleb. What does this mean? His nephew. Mm -hmm. His nephew conquered the city Kiryat Sefer, and Caleb leaped up to his promise, and he gave him his daughter to a wife. Cousins married. That's kosher. Allowed by Jewish law to marry cousins, not a problem. First cousins? First cousins allowed to be married, absolutely. Hmm. No, that the Medrash says, and what would be if some, who knows whom would conquer Kiryat Sefer? Would he also give him his daughter? How can you promise such a thing? The one is going to conquer Kiryat Sefer, and maybe your daughter doesn't want him, then what? Then the Medrash says, Caleb did Shalok Kaogen. He did not, he did not uh, did the right thing. You don't promise such a thing. Things that you don't have in control, you don't promise your daughter for. Anybody will conquer. What is this? Hashem helped him. Fine. Lucky Caleb had walked out. Ataniel was a great scholar. The Medrash says that Ataniel, the son of Knaz, when, ja when Moses died, before Moses died, the Medrash says, he asked Joshua, do you have any questions? The Joshua said, no, whatever you know, I know. I was with you 20, 40, 40 years. I was with you. I never, I never left your side. And Moses said, fine. You know everything, right? Fine. Moses died. 300 laws were forgotten. That's what the Medrash says. Whatever it means. Joshua prayed to God, God told them the Torah was given, this is it. No more interference from heaven. Ataniel, the son of Knaz, was able to bring back this loss, which is power of scholarship. That was Ataniel. Then Ataniel was a good son-in-law to take, no question about it. But the matter says, what would be if it wouldn't be Ataniel? Be some strong guy who came and conquered here at Sefer? But you, in your life, you never dream to give him to your to give your daughter to him. How oh, you will make such a promise? That's the second story. Then comes the third story. You know what the third story is. Who Jeff, also Jeff, promised? Jeff his daughter. No, 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 no. Who later. promised his daughter to somebody? You uh, tell Saul. Me. Uh, promised Saul. to take him. Well, then let's see what happens with Saul. The next page. It's a different story. It's about Saul. Um, they're talking about there is a war between the Palestines and, and, the, and the Jews. In Israel, there was never a happy day. It was always a war between, between somebody and someone. What happened with Saul and the Palestines? Go ahead. The Philistines assembled their camps to war, and they assembled at Soho. Soho, it's the name of a place, yeah. Which belonged to Judah, and they encamped between Soho and, and Azekah. Azekah. Okay, next. Uh, Number two, continue. Okay. And Saul and the men of Israel assembled, and they camped in the valley of the Terebinth, and they set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines were standing on the mountain from here, and Israel was standing on the mountain from here, and the valley was between them. They're ready to war. One, one mountain is full of the Jews, another one the Philistines, ready to go on each other. What's going on? Go ahead. Number and four. a champion emerged from the Philistines' camp named Goliath from Gath. His height was six cubits, cubits in a span. How much is six cubits? 
How much is a cubit? 18 inches. 18 inches. Nine feet tall. He's a little guy next to him. <laughs> Nine feet and a little bit. I, somebody told me, I have the kids, I, I thought, I, I'm like teenagers, I teach them. What's the tallest man today in the world? Told me nine, nine feet and one inch. That was the size of Goliath. It's unbelievable, by the way. This is really unbelievable. That the tallest man today in the world is the size of Goliath. But Goliath was also a big guy. I don't know if this guy is tall and skinny. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's a little bit too Now came too out, too you heard about, came out a book about Goliath, a new book. David and Goliath. David and Goliath. Yes. This guy, the author, is trying to say that Goliath had a certain sickness. There is a certain growth mm -hmm. in a person's brain yeah. that can yes. make him grow yeah. tall. Yeah. Yeah. Acromegaly. Acromegaly, whatever yeah. its name is. And basically Goliath was not strong, he couldn't see well and he couldn't yeah. do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's true. The I know it's true. Well, no, no. I mean, it's I, true I, that the condition, that, yeah. that there's there is such a, a thing, condition yeah. as to how, you know, yeah. how we know I'll Goliath tell you, oh, had that. Uh, if Goliath was a sick man, there's no story. <laughs> <laughs> What's the big deal? <laughs> Goliath wouldn't go deal to fight the strongest Israeli if he knew that he cannot sing, he cannot move. They want to take away the miracle of the story. If there is no miracle, there is no story. <laughs> <laughs> that some schlepper wanted to fight the Jews, sure we can kill them, what's the big deal? Well, you think all the Jews there, and, and everybody, were, the whole nation was stupid, nobody was able to recognize there is some spying, some, some, uh, some uh, listening, monitoring cell phones, I'm finding out who, who Goliath is. Well, it's a secret, there's one giant who is nine feet tall, and nobody knows that he's sick, and he cannot see well, and he cannot go. That if you come and give this explanation, then there is no story, big deal. What's the big deal here? Then David is not such a big chochem, and Goliath is not such a big story. The whole story does not, does not hold any water. Now, Goliath, who was Goliath? Who is Goliath? He was the, the brother of um, Ali Malach. No. Who is Goliath? Who is Goliath? You're getting somewhere. Who is Goliath? Hmm. From what family? It wasn't one of the Anakim. Very distinguished family. No, he's not one of the Anakim. He's a Philistine. Uh -huh. He's a Moabite. He's a Moabite. So he's descended from Lot. Yeah, obviously from Lot, yeah. <laughs> Let's go a little closer. There was Ruth. Ruth. No, Ruth. Yeah, Ruth, 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 Ruth. So he's. Ruth and Opa, you remember Opa? Opa was Opa, yeah. Opa's, it's Opa's grandson or grandson. So he's actually related to uh, He's a cousin David. of David. Yeah. It's all in the family, always like this. What do mean, he's Jewish? No! No, no, no. no. Ruth converted. Ruth was not Jewish. Ruth so converted, David. right? Opa yeah. didn't convert it. So David and Goliath were related. Yeah, it's always all the fights oh. are in the family. Right? That should be, Malcolm Gladwell should have put that in his book. You, you, you wrote a book, David and Goliath? Well, Malcolm Gladwell was the author. Uh -huh. So it was a book you're referring to. I hope you wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't read the book, but somebody sent me the TED, uh, and TED, he gave us lecture, a lecture. I listened to it. To say that is a grace of I mean, <laughs> to say that there was no miracle there, there was no, forget about the miracle, there was nothing to be scared about. If you cannot see, and you cannot move, you cannot this, and he's sick, then. There's no story. So long as the book sells. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Goliath was a son of Opa. Why Opa deserved such a strong son? Because she, when Naomi said, I'm going home to back to Israel, she walked a few steps with Naomi. She didn't want to leave her right away. That for this desire, for these few steps, that she was ready to go to join the Jewish people, God rewarded her with a son like Goliath. Such a strong son that the whole world was afraid of him. Yeah, but look what happened. <laughs> what happened? Then there is free choice. <laughs> Everybody has free choice. Not such a reward in the end. I mean, to have such a son, how many people's sons are in the Bible that we know today their name? 
No, no, it's okay. But later will be on. They're living in a second. That's a big, that's a big baby pregnancy too. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, they uh, they grow later. They mm -hmm. grow later. They are born, they are born normal. small like yeah. everybody else. Yeah. Maybe a few pounds more, later. but that's about it. Okay, we are in number um, four. Useful story. Oh, okay. And and the champion emerged from the Philistines' camp named Goliath, from God. Oh, we read it. Yeah. Okay. Number five. And a and a helmet of copper was on his head, and he was wearing a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was five thousand shekels of copper. And greaves of copper were on his legs, and a copper javelin was between his shoulders. <laughs> And the shaft of the spear was like a weaver's beam, and the spear's head was 600 shekels of iron, and the shield bearer went before him. Because the shield bearer went before him, he came with the conclusion that the guy couldn't see. Really. Basically, he was a giant with this old uniform, with the medal. It was like a bulletproof, uh, bullet, uh, I mean, bullet vest. Bulletproof vest. Yeah, bulletproof vest. And he's all going, and what is he announcing? Number seven. And the shaft of his spear was like the weaver's beam. We just read that. And he stood and called to the array of Israel, and he said to them, Why should you come out to wage war? Am I not the Philistine and your servants of Saul? Choose for yourselves a man, and let him come down to me. Says, Why should we fight? Let's go. You sent one guy. I will. I'm sorry. I will send one guy. And and I and we will we will see who is we will make a match. This is the start of um, many. Um, it's like a I don't know gladiators. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the beginning. Yeah, the start it's of the this. You're right. <laughs> Let's make a match. Whoever wins the war, the other people are slaves. Simple. It's an offer you cannot refuse, right? Why should so much blood should be to spill? Let's do it clean. A clean job. Okay. The idea for the Hunger Games, right? Number nine, exactly. <laughs> if he is able to fight with me and kill me, and we shall be slaves to you. And if I overcome him and kill him, you shall be slaves to us and serve us. Mm -hmm. Continue. Go ahead. Go ahead, doctor. And the Philistine said, I taunt the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man and let us fight together. And Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, and they were panic-stricken and very much afraid. Panic-stricken. Okay, number 12. And David was the son of Ephratit man from Bethlehem of Judah, whose name was Jesse, and he had eight sons. And the man was old in Saul's time coming among men. Okay. David, who is David? A son of Jesse, from the tribe of Judah. Saul was the tribe of Benjamin. David from the tribe of Judah. And David is a child of, the, is number eight in the family, the youngest. And all the older brothers were valedictorians. They were handsome and big and tall and beautiful. And David was considered an outcast. Right. The black sheep of the family, the red sheep of the family, actually. <laughs> and he, they went to war, the older brothers, and the younger brothers went to... They, they, they sent David to be the shepherd of the family. They didn't take him to the, to the war. That's the big boy's goal. You stay with, my, with daddy, with mommy, with mommy. We'll skip a few lines here. Quick question before we do. Yes. What, what's your understanding of Ephratite here? A frosty means a very important person. It means Ephrat. Ephratic. Ish Ephratic means. How would they translate the Ephratic? As I understand it, that was a clan from Judah. A clan of Judah, the Ephrat people? Really? From what? From That's what you say before about. Caleb and Miriam came out. They settled in, in, in part, or at least part of the family settled in Bethlehem. You white in Bethlehem. Okay, and, and uh, Micah uh, talks about Ephrat uh, of, of, of Bethlehem. Oh, Ephrat of. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. But there is a place, Ephrat. 
It's, it's written in the Bible. Open page 532 if you want, if you don't mind. Number seven, yeah. Five thirty two, number seven. And I, when I came from Padan, Rochel, died unto me in the land of Canaan on the road, when there was yet a stretch of land before coming to Ephros. Ephros, this is it. I buried continue. on the road to Ephros. E, which is, which is, continue, uh, Bethlehem. Which, which is Bethlehem. Exactly. That Ephrat is a place, yes. Yes, it is from Ephrat. He was from Bethlehem. Yes, he was from Bethlehem, right? Yeah. But Ephrat, he also means an important person, too. What name? But yeah. And here we're going back to number 16. Uh, you want to continue to read, uh, Mrs. Krasil? And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself forty days. And Jesse said to David, his son, Take now to your brothers and Ephah of this parched corn and ten loaves of this bread, and drive them to the camp to your brothers. And you shall bring this ten cheeses of the captain of the thousand, and you shall see how your brothers are faring, and you shall take the tiding of their welfare. Okay, he says, go check what's going on with them. Almost like, most, like Jacob sent Joseph. To see how the brothers are doing, Jesse is sending David to see how his brothers are doing. Just like Joseph, the brother of Joseph aided Joseph, so too the brothers of David aided David. Mm. It's a full cycle. Turn the page, number 20. Um, we'll go to number 22. But did they hate, did they was David hated by his brothers for the same reason? Was there favoritism by the father? He wasn't favored by the father, actually. Maybe later in life he was favored by the father. In the beginning, they they treated treated him like like a an out, like outcast. Outcast. They was not. It was a whole story. They were not choice from the same mother. It was a whole story with him. Okay. King David says, "I was a stranger to my to to my brothers." I was a stranger. Some people translated even more than that, but a stranger for sure that's a little translation. I was a stranger to my brothers. It's another expression of a stranger. To the children of my mother. He was, he was, he was every time ostracized completely. Hmm. The famous story when God sent Samuel to, to look, to, to look yeah. for a son. He came to Jesse's house. And right. Jesse made a whole meal for him. And he said, I will not eat until I'll do what Hashem says, but what I'm sent for. Just like Eliezer. It all goes around and around. Just like Eliezer said, I will not eat until I do what Hashem tells me. The, my, my, my master told me the mission to speak to Rebecca, to, t to take care of business. Same thing Je uh, Samuel said. Samuel said, doesn't bring your son. I need to choose a, a king from your family. The oldest one, or Leo, all of them, everyone, one by one, as I said before, other dictorians. The second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh. God says nothing. Jesse and uh, Samuel turns to, to Isha and he tells them, Atamu aneorim? Is there any more children? Is the children, no more children? This is it? Jesse says, yeah, there is one guy, he's a shepherd. He's out there in the field. He didn't even call him to the party. That's how was he treated. Bring him, bring him, bring him. David, this little David shows up. He didn't look like the rest of the family. He was red. He was eating shorter. They were tall. Can't tell Samuel, this is the guy. Could be that after this, he became the favorite. And just like he was assigned for leadership, just like Joseph was assigned for leadership, and therefore he was aided by his brothers. The real, what's the real reason why he wasn't? 
What's the old story with the with the with the, with the special coat, colorful coat that right. Jacob gave Joseph? People say, oh, Jacob gave a favor to favoritism. Look what he called. You think Jacob didn't know that? But Jacob wanted to give him the coat of the mantle of leadership. The same thing, and that's how to appoint him as a leader. That's what that's what exactly what they hated. When they when they were hating, what did let's take away the coat from him? What was bothered them about the coat so much? That they appointed him, that Jacob says he's the next leader. The same thing happened to him. All the other brothers, much bigger chokhams than them, and the little David is the boy, is going to be the king. Absolutely not. Same thing they did. And Jesse sent him, sent him to check out how is his brothers and the field doing. Just like Jacob sent Je uh, Joseph. The same story. Um, number 23. Uh, actually, number 22. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <clears throat> and David left the baggage in the land of the keeper of the baggage, and he ran to the battle array, and he came and greeted his brothers. And while he was speaking with them, behold, the champion named Goliath, Goliath, the Philistine from Gath, was coming up from the ranks of the Philistines, and he spoke the same words as before, and David heard. And, and suddenly David heard them firsthand. Go ahead. And all the men. And all the men of Israel, upon seeing the man, fled from before him and were exceedingly frightened. You see, everybody was on to go away. This guy showed up. Blind, not blind, weak, strong. Everybody run away. That's the bottom line. Continue. And, and the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who is coming up? For he is coming up to taunt Israel. And it will be that the man who will kill him, the, the king, will enrich him. Uh -huh, uh -huh. The king will enrich him. The man will kill Goliath. The king will enrich him and... And he will give him his daughter. And will give him his daughter. And he will make his father's house free in Israel. Basically free from, I don't know, from Texas maybe. I don't know. <laughs> He'll give him his daughter. Saul is giving away his daughters. Anybody is going to do it. Whole story goes on. The, the bottom line is... Um, We'll go to number 31. And the words which David had spoken were heard, and they related them before Saul, and he took him. They took him to Saul. Here is a guy who says, David says, I can go and kill him. Okay. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your bondsman will go and battle with the Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are unable to go to this Philistine to battle with him. For you are a lad, and he is a warrior since his youth. Saul tells him, you're a little boy. What are you talking about going to fight this Palestine? It's Goliath, this nine feet tall guy. The whole world is afraid of him. David is not afraid. Go ahead. And David said to Saul, your bondsman was a shepherd of sheep for his father. And there came a lion and also a bear and carried off a lamb from the flock. And I went out after him, and I smote him, and saved it from his mouth. And he arose upon me, and I took hold of his jaw, and I smote him, and slew him. Both the lion and the bear has your bondsman slain, and the uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he taunted the armies of all living Basically, God. David says, I have experience. I killed a lion, I killed a bear. Don't worry, I'll do it. We'll go, we'll skip a little bit the story, because it's all details. We'll kind of Plus, well, you just, you just read that last line. I mean, he's, he's like, like, you're insulting the, uh, he's insulting the, Hashem. the God. The God. Yeah, the God. That's what why he will. What means wear a coat of mail? Okay. Armor. That's yeah. the armor? Yes. Armor coat? He came, David came today, was getting closer to Goliath, right? He took five stones, we'll read number 40. And he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself the five smooth pebbles from the brook. And he placed them in the shepherd's bag, which he had, and in the sack. And his slingshot was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. 
and the Philistine was continuously drawing nearer to David, and the man who bore the shield was before him. And the Philistine looked and saw David, and he despised him, for he was a youth and ruddy, with an attractive appearance. This guy is a warrior, what are you talking about? And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come with, at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his God. We'll, we'll, and go ahead, continue, okay. We'll go to 40, 45. I have just one question before yes, we move on. Yes, yes. Was he already um, king at this point? Ooh, David no, was nothing. No. Saul was king. Saul's king. But Samuel thought, picked David's, Samuel David's little... Picked David's Samuel little. picked him, but nothing changed the reality. It was this story after Samuel I think Saul... Was it? I think it was after, after. After. Yes, 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 yes. But it, nothing changed. He heard that he was a king and they sent him back to be a shepherd. <laughs> You're a king, Mazel Tov, and go back to be a shepherd. That was, that was about the whole kingdom. They gave him a Mazel Tov and they sent him back. Basically, he came and, he, and David sent him number 49. Is he, he, and, the, and David stretched, go ahead. And David stretched his hand into the bag and took a stone therefrom and slung it. And he hit the Philistine in his forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. David did one nice stone, killed the big Goliath, the healthy Goliath, not the sea Goliath. And David overpowered the Philistine with the slingshot and with the stone. And he smote the Philistine and slew him and no sword was in David's hand. Very good. Now what? Okay, everything is good and nice and fine, right? Um, look number 56. You want to read? And the king said, You ask whose son this youth is? Who is this child? The Saul is asking, Who is it? Who is this boy? He promised his daughter, right? Go ahead. And as David returned from slaying the Palestine, Abner called him and brought him before Saul, and the Philistine head was in his hand. David came with, with, with Goliath's hand, head in his hand. And Saul said to him, Whose son are you, young man? And David said, The son of your, your bondsman, Jesse the Bethlehemite. Bethlehemite. He says, Oh, I'm the son of... Now David knows who he is. But now he promised him to give him his daughter. We'll continue on number 17. And Saul said to David, Behold. And Saul said to David, Behold my elder daughter, Merib. I shall give her to you as a wife, but be a warrior for me, and wage the wars of the Lord. For Saul said, Let not my hand be upon him, but let the hand of the Philistines be upon him. He, Saul didn't like him. It was a real true father-in-law. We'll go to number 19. <laughs> and, it was, it, and it was at the time that Merib, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given to Adriel, the Mehola. Uh, what's going on here? was supposed, they, King Saul had two daughters, Meirav and Michal, right? Meirav mm -hmm. was supposed to be given to, so, to David. She was given to somebody else. What's going on here? It's like the old such a room. <laughs> By the way, the same story with Jacob and Saul. <laughs> Obviously, obviously Meirav didn't want to marry David. She was given to somebody else. Meirav didn't want, Saul didn't want, something happened there. Saul promised a daughter to the person who killed Goliath. Mm -hmm. To his luck, what happened next line, Twenty. And Michal, Saul's daughter, loved David. And they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. Oh, here is something new. The only time in the Bible that it's written about a girl loving a boy is this story. Michal loved David. Always is about Jacob loved Rachel, mm -hmm. and the guy loved her. The only time in the Bible that a woman loves a man is this story. Lucky Saul and lucky that he promised his daughter and the second daughter, Meirav didn't marry him. No matter what, it was the problem. It was the father, it was the daughter. It looks like, from the story, it looks like the daughter didn't want to marry. Therefore, she was married to somebody else, given to somebody else. Michal loved David and she married him. That's what happened. She and loved then, him before him. Before she married him, yeah. 
She was excited about he was there. The whole nation was crazy about David. Everybody wanted to marry David. He was the he killed Goliath <laughs> and Klinikite. Sure, everybody wants to marry him. Then what then here that the Medrash says Saul should never promise a daughter to somebody who killed Goliath. And what would be for the person who killed Goliath would be somebody who is not Jewish or not somebody who doesn't belong in the king, the king's family. Right? How could you promise your daughter to somebody you don't know where it's going to be? The answer is, that's the third story where Saul, Saul told, said something, a promise he shouldn't say. Hashem cooperated with them and it worked. Now we're going to the fourth story where it didn't work. Okay. Quick question. Who was yeah. Michal's uh, son? Michal? Yeah. Michal's son? Yeah, that would have competed with Solomon for the throne. Uh, Jonathan. Uh, that was Jonathan. Then. Okay. Jonathan was Saul's son. Okay. No, oh, Jonathan was... No, no, Jonathan was... You're Michal's son? Michal's son, yeah. Michal did not have a son. Uh, Michal did not have children. Remember the story that Michal... Um, it's not clear, but in general, there is a story that, me, that King David brought the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. And he was dancing, and he was like dancing like Purim. He was very excited about the bringing that. And Michal was standing by the window, and she looked at him, and when he came home, you know what a Jewish man gets when he, came home, when he comes home. Outside is a king, he comes home, told him, you behave like I don't know what, shame on you, my father would never run around like this and jump like this. You embarrassed yourself in front of the public. But he told her, your, your father was busy with his honor. I did it for the honor of God. And it's written, Michal did not have children until the day she died. That's all this caution she had children before, she had, but that's, that's the story. And maybe she had other children. But that's, the, that's a, a clear statement in the, in the Bible. The so last story. So Solomon and Absalom had the same mother. Solomon and Absalom? No. Why yeah. you got to this? Solomon's wife, her mother was Bathsheba. Right, and Absalom came from. No, from a different mother. Okay. No, sure, sure, sure. No. Yeah, King David had the. If I remember correct, it's written about David or something. Oh, I think yeah. David ate 400... David or something? Solomon had 400 sons? Solomon, I think. No, yeah, yeah, yeah but no. But, but I didn't realize David was no, so David, prolific. No, oh, David had many women. Yeah, they, he, 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 yeah, absolutely. It's written in the Bible. Now we come to the fourth story where it didn't work. The story is about Jephthah. Iftah in Hebrew. Iftah was a man, a warrior, that the Jewish people, that's the last page. Iftah was a warrior, then the Jewish people asked them to go to fight the Ammonites, right? He went to fight the Ammonites, and he made a promise to God. Number Terry, who's supposed to read? I don't know. Is this uh, half Torah, this one? This is half Torah too, yeah. Go ahead, Martel. Okay. I think you're supposed to read. Go ahead. And uh, Yiftak vowed a vow to the Lord and said, If you will indeed deliver the children of Ammon into my hand, and it will be whatever comes forth that shall come forth from the doors of my house towards me, when I return in peace from the children of Ammon, uh, shall be to the Lord, and I will offer him up for a burnt offering. Yiftak made a promise. If Hashem takes me, makes me successful, and I come back home healthy and happy, the first thing to come out from the doors to greet me from the door of my house will be offered as a burned offering. And in number 34, we read what came out. Go ahead, Mr. Olgen. And Jephthah came to Mizpah to his house, and behold, his daughter was coming out towards him with timbrels and with dance, and she was an only child he had from her neither a son nor a daughter. What came out from the door is only daughter. Hashem, that's what Medrash says, this time Hashem did not cooperate with them. 
The bottom line is, we're not going to details, she lived in isolation until she died. She didn't kill her, God forbid. You're not allowed to sacrifice people in Judaism. That's the whole story of Abraham and the Akedah, is to make this statement, that you don't sacrifice people by the Jewish people. God forbid. But she lived in isolation. Now the question is, why God cooperated with the first three stories and didn't cooperate with the fourth story? Because the first three stories were about marriage. And when it comes to a wedding, God cooperates even you don't deserve it. We see in marriage the end of God so clear because marriage is such an important institution that God will help you even when, even when you are behaving like a fool. God will still help you. Just to make a shit happen. Because it's so hard, everything God will do to make it happen. There is a story about a Hasidic Jew that he needed to marry off his daughter. He came to his rabbi. He told the rabbi, Rabbi, I need 300 rubles to marry off my daughter. The rabbi took out a golden coin and gave it to him. He told him, the first opportunity you have to make, you have to, you, your business deal will come to you, do it. And Hashem will help you. Okay, he's going home. On the way home, it was night, he stopped by Nain. It was winter, you know, it's getting dark, five o'clock, he couldn't travel anymore with the awesome bag of boy. But he's not ready to go to sleep, he's not tired. He goes out to the lobby, sees a few Jewish guys are playing their cards and making business. And he stands, he's like a religious Jew, stand on the side and looks at them. Oh, they made fun of him. Oh, you guy, what, what are you going to do? Oh, what are you, what are you, with such a battle, what are you, can you can do business? says, yeah, I can do business. And the guy tells him, to you, the only thing I'm ready to sell you is my olam haba, my share in the world to come. Like, there's nothing there. He tells them, okay, I'm ready to buy it. And they all laughed, this butler is ready to buy something that's not real, that you don't take to the bank. He bought it. He said, are you ready to buy it? He said, yes. He said, okay. He said, I'm ready to give a golden coin for it. Says, oh, he's ready today. He says, give me in writing that you share, he sent me the Mayolama bar, and it's yours. He gave him the golden coin, he gave the paper, he's living, he's going home. The wife of this businessman comes back, and they're all laughing. It was, hey, you want to hear something funny? We had a lady, a guy who so bought for me my Olama bar, my share in the world to come, this fool. He gave me a golden coin for it. She looks at him and she says, what you sold? You sold your olam haba, your share in the world to come. That means I'm living with a man who has nothing to look forward. She sold his share in heaven. I don't want to be, to be married to you. I'm not living with you. Forget about it. She, was the, she had the money. She bought the money to the table. She was the businesswoman. It was like a, going by. He said, okay, okay. He said, what do you want me to do? He said, it was a joke. He said, no jokes. You, you wrote down, you signed, your name that you're selling, your pair. Okay, I'm going to ask it for me. He goes back, knocks on the door, tells him, please do me a favor. Here's the coin. My wife is crazy. She's, she's, like, she's angry with me. I don't know what she wants from me, but just let's, let's make it. Give me the paper and be done. He says, no. A deal is a deal. He comes back and says, she doesn't want to give it. So then go buy, then buy it from him. He goes back and says, I'll sell you, I'll give you another coin. He says, no. Back and forth, three coins, four coins, five, garnished. So said, what do you want? He says, I want 300 rubles. He told him, you think I'm crazy, I'm buying your Olama bar, you're sharing the world to come, you think I have nothing to do in my life. But my Rebbe told me the first coin, that the first business deal they'll present to me, I should do it. That was the first business deal. I did it. Now, from you has to come, from this business deal has to come the money to marry off my daughter. I don't care. The wife, who was a strong woman, and they had the money, she says, you are paying him 300 rubles. He had no choice to pay. Then this woman says, I want to travel to your happy. I need to meet this man who made such a deal. <laughs> She walks into the rabbi, she looks and says, Rabbi, tell me, is my husband sharing in heaven really worth it 300 rubles? 
that he told her. Before, when he sold it, it wasn't even worth it one ruble. <laughs> <laughs> but now, when he's doing such a great mitzvah, it's worth it much more than 300 <laughs> rubles. So, nice. <laughs>